Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Keep it. Verse 17, it says, But he knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to to desolation, and a house divided against its house falls. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because I say to you, I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by who do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges." And, and so as as I said, we'll we'll address the, the sign thing next time. But He's talking to them about casting out demons. So he starts out by quoting Abraham Lincoln, right? A house divided against itself. You know, last night, nobody even laughed when I said that. So thank you. So it's a Father's Day, good dad joke. Okay, of course, Abraham Lincoln quoted Jesus. But what he's doing, he's putting it back on them. He's saying, how can you say that Satan is casting out Satan? And, and how, can, how can Satan's kingdom succeed if he's fighting against himself. You see, there's long-term results to Jesus's ministry. And, and those who used to cause problems, used to be filled with demons, like the man in the Gadarenes or this guy who couldn't speak because he was mute from this demon, it would cause problems in his life and it caused problems for people around them. Somebody who's demon-possessed especially can be aggressive towards other people because of the demon that they have. And, and so they're, they're not doing well, but then Jesus comes along and he touches this person or he casts this demon out. And now you have a guy who's been breaking chains, cutting himself, screaming, terrorizing everybody in the in the graveyard, and and you know, just out of his mind, naked, clothed, sitting in his right mind. And then he goes back into the city where he's from and tells all the people all the great things that God has done for him. You know, this isn't the first time that they'd villainize someone in this way. In Matthew chapter eleven, verse eighteen, um, Jesus, he rebukes them saying, for John came neither eating or drinking. And they say he has a demon. So they said, John had a demon. He says, the son of man comes eating and drinking. And you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Notice this, but wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, the result of this ministry proves that, that it's legitimate. And when you think about all that Jesus did and all that John did, John produced repentance in the people and the people came down to be baptized and and confessed their sins and said, I want to live differently. And then Jesus came and and the same happened, but then also people were healed and people's lives were delivered from demons and people were raised from the dead. And, And Jesus would leave a wake of beauty behind him, a wake of salvation behind him. You know, where a lot of times some, some ministries or some things leave a, a wave of destruction behind them as they go through. And so wisdom is justified by our children. What is this producing? And it's no different for us. 
Verse 20 says, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so Jesus invokes this word, the finger of God. If this is happening because of the finger of God. Now, it's an interesting study to go through your Bible and look, about, look at the finger of God. It's something that we see quite often in the Bible. What's happening, Parker? <laughs> it's getting echoey. Okay. And so we see that. First of all, we see the finger of God in the plagues of Egypt. Remember that when the plagues are coming down, there's frogs and there's the rivers turn to blood and there's all these things that are happening, you know, and, and it's just kind of a mess. And But then Janus and Jambres, the, the two magicians of Egypt, they're able to duplicate these miracles. You know, Moses turns water to blood, they turn water to blood. You know, and, and they are able to do, and tell the lice, remember the lice? And they didn't even want to come out of their, their houses because it was just so, just so awful. And they, they inquired them. They say, we can't duplicate this. This is the finger of God. This is, this is the finger of God. Now, we even use that phrase in our own culture, don't we? You know, a regular, hur- a regular hurricane or a regular tornado, you know, is pretty destructive. But a Category 5, what do they say? Category 5 is what? The finger of God, right? And it's going to destroy everything in its wake. And so that's not necessarily a positive thing. But oftentimes when you see the, the finger of God, it is about, all about judgment. You know, the lice. But then the next time you see the finger of God is in Exodus chapter 38, when Moses talks about the, the tablets, the two tablets of stone that God wrote the Ten Commandments with. And, and how did he write them? They're written by the finger of God. Fast forward to Daniel's time. Belshazzar, the, the, the Babylonian king, grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, he's in the palace and he's getting drunk and there's a huge party happening. And he makes a choice in his drunkenness. He's like, why don't we bring the vessels from the temple from Jerusalem in here? And let's drink our wine out of those. And so they bring them in there and they're drinking their wine and their liquor and their schnapps out of the, out of the Lord's temple vessels. And as they're drinking all of that, on the wall, they see a finger, the finger of God, writing, mini, mini, tekel, you farsen. And I love his reaction. You, you got to love Belshazzar's reaction to this whole thing. It says that his bowels were loosed and his knees smote one against another. And I think that that's probably an appropriate response to seeing this finger writing these things. So Daniel comes in and he says, yeah, it says your, your kingdom is found wanting. It's been judged. And it's going to be, you're going to, your kingdom is going to be given to the Medes and the Persians. And of course, that's exactly what happened. So the finger of God brings judgment. Another instance of the finger of God that was really interesting is, is there in the courtyard of the temple as the, the guys come and they bring a woman, John chapter 8, a woman caught in adultery in the very act. And they say, Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus stoops down and he takes his finger and he begins to write in the dust of the ground. What did he write? And he stands up and he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he goes back down and he starts to write again. And it says, the oldest from the youngest left until the woman was there alone. What was the finger of God writing on the ground? Was he like exposing their names? Levi, Lodita. (laughs) <laughs> what was he saying? You know, what was going on? But the finger of God, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and so Jesus is saying, if I'm doing this by the finger of God, and they knew the scriptures. 
The scripture said that the Messiah would come, that he would, that he would heal the brokenhearted, that he'd preach the gospel to the poor, that he'd open the eyes of the blind and heal the sick and, and set those who were captive free. And this man certainly was a captive and he's been set free. This was what would mark the authenticity of the Messiah. And so Jesus says, is this, is this just Satan casting out Satan or is this the finger of God? He says, verse 21, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. So Jesus is the promised Messiah who would come and crush the head of, of Satan. He has entered Satan's realm, the this, this strong man's realm. Satan has had this world under guard. How much so, though? You know, I mean, think about that. How much so has Satan had this world under guard? I mean, that seems pretty free. It seems pretty open, right? I mean, angels can fly back and forth and, you know, what, right? Remember in Daniel when Daniel was praying for 21 days and it took that long for the angel to get past the prince of Persia to get to him? That kind of shows you we're probably under a, a darkness, a, a stronghold that we don't even we don't even realize the the battle that's going on. I think that if we all had our eyes open for a moment, we saw the spiritual battle that was raging around us, we would probably never sleep again. But that's the reality of the world we live in. And so Jesus has entered this strong man's place, the earth, and he is plundering his goods. And then what are his goods? What does he own? You and me. He has control over us. And Jesus is setting us free. He's setting these people who Satan has had under bondage free from the power of darkness. And it tells us in the Bible that he set us free from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the power of the kingdom of the son of his love. That's what we're under darkness. We're in bondage until Jesus sets us free and through the sun sets free is free indeed, right? That's, that's how we have freedom in this life. Jesus is saying, I've overpowered Satan in your life, and I'm bringing the kingdom of God to you. And that's true if we humble ourselves and yield our lives to Jesus. He's the one who binds the work of the enemy in our lives and sets us free. People think that they're free. Uh, maybe there was a time in your life where you thought, well, I'm free. You know, I can do whatever I want now. I'm not in my parents' house anymore. I can go out and party you know, and you drink the alcohol and maybe somebody gives you a hit of something and you, you know, you just like, I can, you know, you have that freedom, right? I can do whatever I want to do. Is it truly freedom? You know, think about that. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208 991 2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmett.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.